Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. All praises be to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who has granted us a pure and perfect deen and created us in the best of all forms. We seek protection in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from shaitan and we begin in the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I'd like to thank each and every one of you. Jazakumullah to all of you for taking the time to listen to this podcast and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala actually make it beneficial. Ameen. A quick introduction to myself. I am a humble student of deen um, that has been trying to be of service to the ummah in a variety of ways. Many of you do know me from the different projects that I work on. And a few years back, after a harrowing experience with a suicidal teen, I realized that I needed a lot more help and expertise. I thus started my journey into understanding psychology and specifically counseling. Now, at this particular point, I want to add a little disclaimer None of these voice notes um, or the the social department that I work in um, is not advocating or encouraging these sciences. And I would like to clarify that, alhamdulillah, I have always made my stance of following the Quran and Sunnah, my worldview, very clear even whilst I was studying. None of my personally constructed therapies or helping techniques encourage any form of um, Eastern healing, Buddhist, Hindu aspects, and I'm extremely particular about elements of kufr and shirk. I do, however, find mindsets and values from the hadith and teachings of Quran that also align magnificently and perfectly with many psychological theories that I have studied. The idea is to have some forms of helping tools to assist the ummah, which is definitely in complete denial that mental health is neglected and requires assistance in the form of professionals that can help those that are going through any kind of challenges in this particular department. For more information on myself, please do not hesitate to contact me. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. So today we're talking about and discussing um obsessive compulsive disorder i'm sure all of us have heard this term being used um, often by people saying oh i cleaned out my cupboards today i was being so ocd i decluttered a certain room i'm being so ocd oh i'm sorry everything has to be really really perfect because i'm so ocd and a lot of times um, i often have to hear this term being used and cringe because it's being used completely and totally incorrectly. So all of us have days and opportunities and times when we may seem very, very particular with aspects or we may have one or two symptoms of being obsessive or compulsive. But that doesn't mean we have the disorder. So really quickly, I would like to just put out a little disclaimer here that whatever you're going to hear in this informational voice note is only to help you develop an insight into the said disorder. But as an individual, you will not be able to diagnose another person or even try to help them. Please seek professional and qualified help in order to do something like that. So everybody has moments and times when they feel like they've been overthinking, um, they are maybe 
uh, showing signs of certain symptoms of obsessive compulsive disorder. But I'd like to remind you that it is not always a disorder. Okay, so obsessive and compulsive behaviors are only disorders when they begin in childhood. Okay, it's often noticed um, in young adulthood or childhood or during the phase of adolescence. Teenagers might start to um, show signs of obsessive compulsive issues and um, lots of times it's just missed in early childhood because we're not paying attention for it. So it would definitely be something that starts in your childhood and is totally noticeable. It's not there for a day or two, but rather it's a consistent part of behavior which can last for over six months at a time. You would also notice um, that it does not go away and it starts to cause such upheaval in the person's life that he is not able to lead a totally fulfilling life. It is actually holding him back from many activities in his or her life and it's at that point that a parent is going to realize that I actually have a child or I have um, a ward that is displaying signs of something which is not 100% uh, normal. So obsessive compulsive disorder is a mental health condition that's characterized by obsessions and compulsions that interfere with daily life. So decluttering um, every now and again and cleaning out the fridge or setting up cupboards um, is actually a positive and a good thing uh, and it's not actually interfering with your daily life but if at any point it becomes something which you are doing in the morning the afternoon the evening even in the middle of the night um, and it's something that you cannot help yourself but do and it's sometimes stopping you from enjoying a normal productive life then definitely we're going to say that this behavior is something that is of concern. Another area that I have found it um, sometimes very worrisome is we have normal wasawis of shaitan. That is every single person is prone to the waswasa of shayateen. That means, and we're told in various um, tafsirs that within the heart of a person is two houses. One house in which uh, an angel resides, another house in which a shaitan resides. And at certain times, the shayateen actually whisper into the person's heart and into the person's mind, making the person frustrated, angry, um, might have strange thoughts, um, the desire sometimes is created uh, to do something which is haphazard, compulsive, um, or haram, or incorrect. And we are told that the moment a person um, uh, starts reciting the adhkar and remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the shaitan um, and his whispering tools, they move away, they uh, 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 stop the whispering, and you know, they remain away from a person as long as the person is remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, this is absolutely normal. And this is definitely 
a part of every single person's life. So there will be days and times where strange thoughts might come into our head. It might be thoughts regarding our religion. It might be things that are doubtful and we are told by our ulama and our great um, teachers to merely read Aman to Billahi wa Rasuli, to remind ourselves that our Iman is intact and to connect again with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to move along and to ignore these thoughts and these compulsive habits. We also, I remember my Ustad Hazrat Mulan Yunus Patel Sam um, beautifully explaining that a person's mind is like a highway and that on a highway, one cannot dictate whether only a certain type of vehicle is going to be allowed to cross over the road or to utilize the highway. One might have animals crossing and using that road. One might have trucks, um, little cars, and even bicycles on that particular road. So he would say, visualize the mind as a highway, and that on this highway, because of the interference of shaitan, what we see, what we hear, what we watch, our emotions as well as daily life will uh, impact in such a way that different kinds of thoughts are going to cross over the highway of our minds. It is for us to basically allow them to just cross over and continue moving out of our minds and system rather than stopping them in the middle and uh, scrutinizing and focusing on what they actually are. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the understanding of this amazing tool. So whilst we have these tools for our everyday normal behaviors, there are many people who take this into a whole different level. And what we actually find is many, many people complaining of you know, um, not being able to concentrate in salah due to thoughts and overpowering and intrusive um, images or even thoughts which cross a person's mind. Lots of people who count and recount and recount the rakat that they are reading. People who constantly keep washing and cleansing themselves in the toilet. The constant belief that I could be not back. Now, remember that to a level this is actually allowed because we should be you know particular we should be stringent with our hygiene and that is encouraged by quran and the sharia but what is not encouraged is for it to reach a level where it is once again distorting your everyday normal life okay so are we going to continue in the next podcast with regards to the symptoms as well as the Islamic viewpoint and the ways in which we can cope with this, inshallah. So we begin with OCD, Obsessive Compulsive Disorder, the second segment. Um, in the first segment, we've highlighted that behavior which you might think is obsessive and compulsive, even if it exists in your salah or your wudu, which can just sometimes be a wasawis of shaitan, does not actually make you OCD and won't be considered a disorder if it's something that disappears, it goes away, it doesn't last for long periods of time, and it's not hampering your everyday life. OCD is only a disorder if you find that your life is being hampered, your behavior is irrational, um, it is not comfortable or normal for the people around you, and you don't actually have a way of managing or controlling 
the impulses that are coming into your head or your mind. Um, so inshallah, the second part of this is actually talking about OCD. But I want to also remind you um, from the Islamic perspective as well that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um, has mentioned in Al-Quran and as well as in the ahadith, oh, let us take the ahadith first, that according to the hadith Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu has reported, that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, the religion of Islam is easy, and whoever makes the religion a difficulty, it will overpower him, so follow a middle cause, and this is in brackets, but it's in reference to your ibadat and in worship. If you can't do this, do something near to it and give glad tidings and seek help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the morning and at dusk and at some part of the night. This is mentioned in Bukhari. So a lot of people tend to blame. And if you go to a normal, non-Muslim or very um, un-Islamic practitioner, they may blame our Sharia and our Islamic fundamental teachings of hygiene, cleansing and rituals in terms of salah and ibadat. They might blame it for OCD. However, we are going to say and we're going to remember that it is not the cause of the OCD, but rather um, it's one of the areas that people who already have OCD tend to become um obsessive over so the word that's obviously uh I, I don't know if many people have heard this but um we find the word that's used um i'm just trying to find it is scrupulosity scrupulosity meaning that many of us are incredibly scrupulous and that is a beautiful um quality to have as a believer because um, scrupulousness means being particular so uh, the positive element and what is actually required by every single human being and every single believer is giving off your best doing your best being scrupulous and particular with regards to amanat cleanliness ibadat um, beliefs in allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but what is not required is going overboard to the extent that your mind is reeked with pain and anguish over this, uh, or over these aspects. And it starts again, the key words, impairing your everyday life. So that is going to be the point where we're going to say, you know what, something is actually wrong. So I'm hoping everyone that's listening to this can take a deep breath of relief this does not mean I have OCD if I've just, you know, for a day or two been showing signs of some behavior. But I want to quickly look at uh, what are some of the symptoms that people who have OCD um, experience. Okay, what are some of the symptoms that OCD people tend to experience? And um, I want to also look at what are the, the what's the diagnosis or how does a person actually get OCD? All right, so symptoms usually appear gradually and can be long lasting if they're not treated. People with OCD may experience symptoms of obsession, compulsion, or even both. So another thing that you're learning today is that it always doesn't have to go together. Some people have more obsession than, than compulsion. And some people may tell you, I only have compulsive behavior, no obsessions, right? 
but often both go together. Such symptoms interfere with many areas of life, which include your school, your work, the relationships between your husband and yourself or um, wives and husbands, family members, siblings, and even normal daily functioning. Okay, what are obsessions? Obsessions are thoughts, images, ideas that just won't go away. They are unwanted and extremely distressing or worrying. For example, uh, people may constantly and continuously worry about getting infected with a deadly disease. Some people believe that they're going to hurt someone and they will continuously, um, you know, be uh, in, in anguish because they feel like I may just hurt someone. So some common symptoms of obsession include aggressive thoughts about other people or even about oneself. A need to have everything in a certain order. A fear of germs. And I'm talking about not us who just worry about it and then put some handy and you in a cloth and give things a wipe and then be satisfied. We feel a sense of relief. Everything's cleaned up. We're talking about there's no way in which this person feels satisfied uh, that he or she is safe from these germs. Such a person might even try to isolate themselves, not come out of the room, not eat, not drink. Uh, because of this fear. So you can see the level that it reaches. A last um, symptom that I wanted you to hear about is that the, there are many unwanted thoughts and uh, for, uh, you know, thoughts of forbidden or taboo topics uh, such as sexual elements, uh, religion. Lots of people saying, I have these thoughts that my iman is disappearing and it's going away. Um, or I might have made a statement and my iman is, you know, impacted or even of harming other people. Compulsions. So those were some of the symptoms of obsession. What are the symptoms of compulsions? Compulsions are behaviors that have to be done over and over again to relieve the anxiety. So compulsions are often related to obsessions. For example, if you are obsessed with being contaminated, you might feel compelled, like you can't help yourself to continuously wash your hands repeatedly. However, this is not always the case. Some common compulsions include counting things over and over again, excessive washing or cleaning, ordering things in a particular or symmetrical way, repeated checking, such as checking that the doors are locked or that the oven is off. Okay, now um, it's important to be aware that not all our habits or repetitive behaviors are synonymous with compulsions. Everyone is going to have repeated thoughts or will engage in double checking things from time to time. But if you want to know and how do you become diagnosed with obsessive compulsive disorder, your, your experience will be characterized by an inability to control your thoughts or behaviors, even when you know these are excessive or irrational. You spend an hour or even more a day on these obsessions and compulsions. You experience significant problems and disruptions in your daily life because of these thoughts and behaviors and not gaining pleasure from thoughts or behaviors, but engaging compulsive behaviors may provide a small relief from the anxiety that the thoughts have, you know, caused. Okay, we did say that it's something that most people will notice from the young days uh, and it grows and continues consistently to grow with them. But what's the causes 
of obsessive compulsive disorder. So there's biological factors. Okay, and I always say people need to be open to understanding this. We have different chemicals in our brain. Uh, I'm sure many of us have heard about the chemicals that make us happy, the ones that make us more sad, uh, adrenaline, which, you know, makes us stronger, braver, and able to handle things. And we might even have the one that, um, too much of the one that makes us sleep, sometimes even too little, making us unable to sleep. Okay, so going back, I had a, a little pause in that, but going back to what are biological factors, as I've mentioned that many of us do know that our brain has various chemicals. When some of those chemicals are either increased or reduced significantly um, and not at the normal rate, a person thinks and feels and behaves uh, completely differently and what we would commonly say not normally. So it's not something to become upset about. It's not something to be in denial about. It shouldn't be something we feel ashamed about because just like ill health in so many other departments, the mind is one of those areas where these chemicals may fluctuate. Um, and, and what is actually required at that time could be certain medications, certain natural remedies that can increase these uh, chemicals, but this is one of the factors that contribute um, to a person becoming more obsessive and compulsive. There may be a family history. Lots of us, again, especially in the Indian Muslim community, because we've watched too many movies, read too many books, or passed down this cultural belief that, um, you know, mental health uh, or looking after your mental health is a taboo. Uh, if you have issues in your mental health and if you're not mentally strong, then that is something to be ashamed about. And a lot of us are in denial. So when we deny um, that this is a medical condition and that I can actually help myself, our next best comfort zone is to say I've been affected by jinn, jadu and sihar. Okay, so a lot of parents can totally... Um, believing that my daughter's, you know, um, uh, affected by a jinn, believing that our children are impacted by sihr. Yes, those definitely do exist, but not on the scale that we're putting it on. So we find that every Tom, Dick, and Harry believes that my child's affected by jinn. My child has been bewitched. Uh, whereas it can actually just be a medical condition that can be righted with medicine and i'm adding here and research has shown uh, the help of therapy and counseling uh, which is you know where we work on the person's thinking and behavior which can absolutely help people tremendously so other factors contributing would be genetics um, you know you have a certain ocd gene while it's not actually been identified that there is, but there is a theory that there are specific genes that contribute to obsessive-compulsive behavior. Stress is another factor. Unemployment, relationship difficulties, problem at school, being bullied, um, not doing well in exams, teacher stress, illness, childbirth, uh, can be strong triggers for symptoms of OCD. Okay, so 
you know, you get different types of obsessive compulsive disorder. Some people have, you know, fears in terms of contamination. Uh, we said taboo thoughts. Some people even present uh, this habit, and that is collecting or hoarding. That means they collect and they collect. And we're talking about a whole different level. Not all those ice cream containers that are in our freezer filled with ginger garlic and um, gajar halwa and ties for the next Eid. We're talking about actually hoarding things to such an extent that, um, you know, rooms are filled with it, um, feeling a sense of anguish if, if you have to be distanced uh, from the things that you are hoarding etc okay so we're gonna go into the islamic aspect in the next segment and how do we treat it uh i'm so sorry for such a long voice note or such a long um podcast but i'm hoping inshallah that it is insightful okay bismillahirrahmanirrahim one last segment and that is highlighting the islamic aspect of obsessive compulsive disorders some really important points that we must and always need to keep in mind as Muslims. So whilst we said scrupulosity um, is considered a disease or it is considered a disorder, I don't like the word disease. In fact, nowadays, uh, most therapists do not use any words um, that have a, you know, a hidden or um, negative connotation to it. But it is something that's becoming more and more common. And in Islam, when we talk about unwanted thoughts, we often call them wasawis, uh, which is the plural of waswasa, and these are the whispered uh, whispers into the minds and hearts of people by shaitan. These wasawis do play a significant role in many mental disorder that involve anxiety and cognitive distortion. Although wasawis can affect individuals regardless of their age, um, their gender, their faith or creed, the nature, the content, severity, and influence of these thoughts varies in individuals. For some people, they only cause mild anxiety and worry, while others are more severely affected to the point of becoming spiritually, mentally, emotionally, psychologically, and even socially paralyzed. Recurring thoughts about catching germs, being unclean and questioning even one's iman appear to be the most common form of OCD amongst Muslim men and women. But those suffering from scru scrupulosity, uh, the unwanted thoughts, or those who have now the OCD, these thoughts tend to be debilitating. That means I can't move forward. I cannot progress. Um, it's hampering my everyday life. Now, in the process of wasawis, Shaitan doesn't care about the thoughts and doubts he sets buzzing around in our heads. Shaitan knows uh, we will not be judged for the thoughts he has implanted in our heads because they are his thoughts, not ours. This is really helpful to those who battle with the constant fear about their thoughts. The thoughts that often coming to the head of a Muslim, can sometimes just be that Muslim's thoughts. It's actually the thoughts of shaitan. It is an impossible task to stop unwanted thoughts from coming into our minds. While we are busy battling unwanted thoughts from our mind, shaitan accomplishes his goal of distracting us from the essential teachings of Islam. The goal of every Muslim should be to strengthen our iman, and connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and not waste time 
avoiding certain thoughts or feelings. Shaitan will continuously try to distract us from his real schemes and instead he focuses our attention on past sins instead of the present forgiveness that we can get from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Shaitan will also try and trick us into becoming so preoccupied with words that we don't even mean, that we don't notice that we are dishonoring Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by not believing the extent of his love and forgiveness even towards those of us who feel certain that we are the worst sinners ever to walk this planet. No matter how terrible the words or images that invade our mind are, we are not sinning. Remember, as long as it remains a thought, you are not sinful. Shaitan will also try and entice us to fear Quranic verses that apply only to people who, until their dying day, stubbornly refuse to repent from their deliberate sin, backsliding and refuse to seek forgiveness so sometimes we will see certain ayat in quran and we'll be terrified of it uh but they actually refer to those who have no iman or to those that are um uh you know stubbornly refusing to make toba and repenting um one may also become alarmed by the bayans or the 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 topics that many scholars speak about and the more these scholars speak about these topics uh the more frustrated and exhausted a person feels because the fear continuously grapples them that they may be one of those people that they that they are speaking about but this is part of the obsessiveness and part of that compulsive disorder even just listening to the bayan and believing that i fit into that category when we do not right actually is part of this ocd shaitan's hope is that we become so alarmed by these verses that we don't apply to, uh, which don't apply to us, that we will lose sight of the enormous number of joyous verses that do apply, right? So what she thought actually wants is that we become so uh, committed and obsessed over the negative parts that we're totally forgetting all the positive parts. Allah isn't fooled into blaming us for shaitan's chikari. And we shouldn't be fooled either. Just like we can't stop shaitan from being shaitan, we can stop thoughts of temptation from popping into our thoughts. And all we can do is stop ourselves from being deceived by these thoughts. Okay? So I think that's like some really important points to just keep in mind. Um, we should remember that obsessive compulsive disorder is an anxiety disorder. So it is fear and anxiety that keeps us hounded by doubts. The feelings of guilt or unwanted thoughts that keep repeating in our minds. It is the very nature of deceiving spirits to foster and exploit fear for their evil purposes. And their highest goal is to fool us into losing faith in our religion. How do I treat this uh, obsessive compulsive disorder if I have it? So a lot of us may not have the disorder. We might have characteristics and some of these treatments will also be helpful for us. And if we have definitely been diagnosed as having this, then definitely going to a practitioner uh, to get a, a, you know, like a professional diagnosis that you definitely have this, going to a doctor and having a good uh, routine, but very thorough checkup in terms of uh, your vitamin D, your iron levels, if there are any other, you know, uh, underlying illness, having that sorted out um, and then obviously being put onto medication if it is required. But that is not step one. I personally believe that your first step 
to treating any kind of anxiety disorder is seeking out therapy. And I particularly uh, enjoy the CBT, which is a cognitive behavioral therapy where we actually work on your how you think and then behave. And, you know, with at least three to five sessions biddable with OCD, uh, I think it's an ongoing thing when it comes to therapy. But therapy with, um, you know, a good therapist with, who also has a good amount of Islamic knowledge uh, is absolutely vital. Because can you imagine going to a non-Muslim who doesn't understand wudu and doesn't understand tahara? The easy way out for him is going to tell you, don't even believe in that. Don't even follow it. Na'udhu billah. Don't even make your tahara. Don't even worry about all of these things. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, protect us from that. Uh, so obviously your therapist needs to be somebody that has a complete understanding um, of this. And then also I think that part of therapy is facing your, your negative thoughts. Um, I have had, alhamdulillah, clients that I've had to ask to actually do the actions they don't want to do so you have people who will maybe wash themselves so many times and i would say to them today i don't want you to wash that many of times you're just going to go into the bathroom you're going to wash only once and you're going to perform your salah exactly like that and 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 you're going to believe that it is valid so sometimes you know uh different forms of activities which uh, get this person out of their comfort zone is actually very very helpful um in this situation and then, of course, if it is necessary, um, getting a doctor to prescribe medication. Many, many people benefit really well uh, if they work together with the doctor and ensure that their meds are being taken as it needs to be taken. And alhamdulillah, such a person can lead an absolutely normal and manageable life. Such a person can also get married. Uh, but I do think it's very important for the spouse to understand that the person has this kind of disorder um, and would need to assist and help uh, when it comes to that disorder. Um, we need to keep in mind when it comes to our unwanted thoughts. First and foremost, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has prescribed a balanced approach to Islam. We need to reassure ourselves constantly of His mercy and forgiveness. So if an anxiety or con a condemnation comes upon us, it's not from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We need to remind ourselves, literally tell ourselves that this is a trick of shaitan. When these unwanted thoughts or fears hit, we should you know, try our best not to let them attack us uh, or distress us, but let it wash over you. I always say this to my clients. Let the thought wash over you. Let the thought go over you. Um, stay calm. Keep as calm as you possibly can. And also stay as unconcerned as you can. The thoughts of the images are not going to hurt you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, once again, is not going to take you to task for your thoughts. Okay? and, and to, Unless, of course, that you are acting upon it. Inshallah, you're not going to do that. Um, I also say that it's really important to distract yourself. That means get involved in other kinds of activities, go and do something else. And the more you distract yourself, the l less time you're going to spend worrying about those thoughts. Um, so when you reach the point where you don't react to the unwanted thoughts or doubts, sometimes oppressive feelings of guilt might hit and spiritually repulsive thoughts. So the attacks themselves will start to lessen, inshallah, 
But we need to keep in mind the psychological fact that anxiety is a driving force behind the OCD. So if I am anxious, I need to deal with my anxiety. The spiritual fact, when shaitan is thoroughly convinced that he can no longer use things like unwanted thoughts to annoy us, he will eventually begin to tire of that approach. So, you know, stay strong and stay connected to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, increasing your spirituality so that you can fight. You won't need to actually fight, but you can gradually ignore shaitan and he will also forget about um, trying to deceive you in this particular way. We need to remind ourselves that we give pleasure and power to shaitan when we fall into his trap of supposing that his plan is, is to get us to think or feel wrong things. Shaitan's main goal is to get us distracted so that he can ambush us. Shaitan's evil scheme is not to entice us to think or feel anti-Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala things, but to fool us into denying the saving power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by us, forgetting Allah's power to continually forgive every person who repents and puts faith in him. Inshallah, we will have a little workshop of the daily exercises that a person can do from an Islamic perspective and from a psychological perspective to help him or herself with obsessive compulsive disorder. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept this little recording as a means of benefit for those that are suffering. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ease that suffering. But I want to remind you, we are resilient beings. We can seek help and assistance and we can live normal, progressive lives. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. I make dua that you are well and I thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. Alhamdulillah, we've run a three day boot camp with points every single day on motivation and staying positive. And I wanted to just pop in here to remind you um, of the need for positivity and for motivation especially in today's current times i do have some background in psychology counseling and interpersonal communication skills and because i work on a daily basis with people in the community through teaching whether that teaching is the teaching of islamic subjects the quran or even just everyday uh, education we find people that are immersed in deep, deep trauma, um, pain, heartache, um, grief, sorrow, despair. And it has taken its toll on the, on the progress of their day-to-day -day lives. With that in mind, I've broken it down and I've realized that unless we develop within ourselves the skill to motivate ourselves daily and to keep positive almost all of us will have situations and times where we feel completely at a loss and unless we've cultivated the nature of motivation and of positive thinking we may suffer the consequences um, of regressing of becoming more depressed or of even reaching a stage of suicide or having suicidal thoughts. May Allah save us and protect us all. So why are we emphasizing positivity? I just want to give you a few points quickly for you to just wrap your head around. Did you know that positive thinking has a positive effect even on your health? 
you might have noticed if you've become accustomed to negative thinking and negative thoughts that your health may actually be suffering to an extent. And he's actually found that with positive thinking, people have been noted to have lowered their stress levels. So it actually lowers your stress. You are not running on anxiety and high pressure and stress levels because you are or you've developed and trained yourself to be more positive. Did you know that positive thinking improves your overall well-being no matter what the situation is? Because in life, you cannot always have everything going your way. Um, There's going to be a day that's for you and a day that's going to be against you. But despite whatever kind of day you're seeing or experiencing, your overall well-being remains intact and in place because you've developed the skill to think positively. When you fall sick, it's been noted that people with positive thinking, their body recuperates so much better and so much faster. You become more focused. So if you are somebody that has goals, you want to achieve something by a certain date or a certain time, you might be memorizing the Quran, you might be seeking some form of education or knowledge, you might want to start a business, you want to have a child or a baby, you're working on your marriage, um, whatever your goals are in life, you would actually notice that with more positive thinking, you become more focused. There's, it's, it's noted that people with positive thinking have an emotional balance and the brain um, has actually been noted to function so much more better as opposed to somebody that is constantly thinking negatively. Why do we need motivation? You know, and this is something that I think is a huge need and necessity in this day and age. I think we've become so much more critical. People are more frustrated and angry and aggressive around us and don't realize sometimes that we've cultivated an entire environment and an entire um, uh, um, time of negative thinking critical thinking and sometimes support is not received from places where we would expect it to be received and so it's so important to actually be a motivator and somebody that is motivated and so if you can develop the skill to motivate yourself can you imagine all the things that you would achieve so motivation allows us to change our behaviors these are all the benefits of motivation if I have had a certain behavior and if I have realized that that behavior is getting me nowhere, I'm motivated to change that behavior. Motivation allows us to develop our skills, our talent, our competence. We become better versions of ourselves. We obviously, by becoming better versions of ourselves, become more confident and then we contribute to society so much more better because we've taken care of motivating ourselves. Motivation allows us um, and, and gives us the opportunity to be creative, to set goals, to grow interest, to make plans. And of course, it boosts relationships and engagement with other people. When you are not motivated and you're a negative thinker, 
you might notice that there are not many people that want to be around you. I want to just quickly touch on motivation in Quran and Hadith as well, because as Muslims, this is our go-to place. And I sometimes hear people make claims like, you know, too much motivation is toxic, too much positivity can be toxic. Um, and, you know, that's a whole different level of, I haven't really seen in all my days of counseling or working with people, anyone that's reached a level where the positivity levels have become dangerous. Um, sometimes I feel like it's the one thing you can't have too much of. So I want us to remember, um, if you actually look at the hadith and you look at many, many different verses in the Quran, we're often reminded to think good of others, that is other people to literally find reasons to think good about them. And then something that just occurred to me recently is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also tells us that he treats his slaves as they think of him. So in other words, if we think of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in a negative way, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala treats us in that exact same way. And if we treat Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in a, in a good way, if we think of him in a good way and we treat how we think about him positively, we would actually begin to see that positive uh, relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blossoming. So thinking good of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is a definite sign and a reference that positive thinking is important and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is giving us this choice that you have the choice and this understanding that as humans you have the ability to be negative but here I am recommending that you should be positive. I also want to remind us that it is mentioned in hadith that there is Nothing but goodness for a believer in every circumstance that he or she faces. Something to that effect. It's not the exact wording of the hadith, but an understanding of it. That no matter what the situation is, even if it looks totally bleak and all wrong, there is some goodness in every single situation of a believer. Now that is positive thinking. That is training ourselves and developing ourselves to think in a positive manner and in a positive way. What happens if I stop thinking positively, if I stop motivating myself? This is when we go into a very, very dark zone of negativity. And the direct opposites of all of the benefits I've mentioned previously will definitely occur. And that is if you have had if you've been a positive person, it would have lowered your stress. A negative person has higher stress levels. A negative person doesn't have overall well-being. A negative person feels very, very ill and sick and may not recuperate as quicker as a positive person. A negative person is often not focused. You'll find that the focus becomes jealousy or, or, or other people's. Um, uh, uh, virtues and, and, and good, uh, but forgetting to actually focus on the goal that's in front of you. Negativity can also cause us to be emotionally imbalanced and definitely affects the brain in a negative way. So we can imagine a negative person um, and, and the motivation levels then. If it's, if it's negative thinking, uh, then impacts your overall well-being and your health then your motivation level is a whole different level altogether. So if we're motivated, we are allowed to, or motivation allows us to change our behavior and our behaviors and our thoughts and our practices, 
then you'd find that negative thinking makes you feel fixed in that I cannot improve or I cannot do better. Obviously, negative and uh, a negative thinking will impact motivation. And when a person does not have motivation, they cannot be creative, cannot set goals, cannot um, grow interest or make plans and develop their talents. And of course, it will impact their health. So I make dua, inshallah, that we can cultivate a couple of good habits, which will be in your next um, podcast. And that will be, how do I become a positive person? So if you've taken something from this podcast and if you found benefit in it, please, please let me know. And yes, you're more than welcome to recommend others to follow my page so that they can get motivation, that they can get some therapy and healing through the post that I post. And... May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward you abundantly for listening to this. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.